Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview that features Daryl Fairweather, the chief economist at Redfin. In today's interview, Daryl discusses why she believes the U.S. housing market is likely to withstand a wave of foreclosures once mortgage forbearance comes to an end. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. They say money talks, so why can't we? Housing Wire is thrilled to introduce its newest podcast, Girl Funds, a show where we give you our two cents on money. We love to talk with our girlfriends about everything except our finances. We're here to bring money back into the conversation, hosted by me, Brenda Nath, along with our editor-in-chief, Sarah Wheeler. Be sure to join us every week starting this Wednesday for our girls' night focused on everything from how to pursue your dream of owning a home to affording your best friend's wedding. Each week, we'll have a special guest join us as we intertwine finance and friendship. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. Today, I'm joined with Daryl Fairweather, the Chief Economist at Redfin. Thanks for joining us on Housing Wire Daily. Thank you for having me. Of course. Listeners, today, Daryl will be speaking to us about why she believes the U.S. housing market is likely to withstand a wave of foreclosures once mortgage forbearance comes to an end. Daryl, I want to start off by addressing why this conversation is even happening, and we can point to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we don't have to explain to our listeners the damage this pandemic has caused Americans financially, but in your own words, what are some of the impacts that you've personally noticed? The pandemic has influenced the housing market in kind of an unexpected way. When the pandemic first hit, we were really bracing ourselves for the housing market to be impacted. Historically, when there's a recession, it does impact the housing market, with the exception of 2001, when we were in a housing bubble. But going into the pandemic, the housing market was fundamentally strong. There was really more demand than there was supply. And the way the pandemic changed people's relationship to the home and how low mortgage rates got because of the Fed's intervention really strengthened the housing market more than we expected. So we saw this like really sharp V. People paused home buying and selling temporarily, but they came back in full force. And they were looking for bigger homes and more affordable places with more space. And that also strengthened the housing market. 
All right, now I want to focus on Redfin's latest report, which focuses on the nation's forbearance and foreclosure activity. In the article, Redfin highlights that more than 3.3 million U.S. homeowners will be on the hook for delinquent payments when mortgage forbearance comes to an end. And while some of them will contribute to a wave of foreclosures, most will be able to work with their lenders to either refinance their mortgage or sell it to cash in on rising home values. Can you explain this more in detail for our listeners? I mean, 3.3 million is a large number. Right. So during the pandemic, we've had mortgage forbearance, which has been a really great option for people who are worried about the fact that they've lost their job, they've lost income, and it's just one less thing to worry about making their mortgage payment. So many people have decided to defer their payments uh, in order to save money or to pay off other debts while there's all this uncertainty about where the economy is headed. Not all those people are going to end up in foreclosure. The good news for them is that home values have gone up quite a bit during the pandemic. They've risen over 6%, and most people have a lot of equity in their homes, um, much more than 20%, which is what the down payment would have been initially. So these people have options. They can refinance their mortgages, which means that they'll be able to refinance to lower interest rates, potentially even reduce their payments below what they were before the pandemic, and lump their missed payments into their refinance so it's not an extra burden for them. That's only going to be available to people who you know, have incomes who can continue to make those mortgage payments. People who are struggling even after forbearance ends, they may have to sell their homes. But again, the good news is, is that they have lots of equity in their homes. They'll be able to cash out and use that money to rent for a while or buy a more affordable home. The people who are most at risk are people who have over leveraged themselves. They don't have much equity in their homes and they aren't making plans with their lenders for what to do when forbearance ends. See, it's interesting you mentioned selling uh, their homes. Let's talk about that 3.3 million again. As we know, the nation's home prices have been rising as we continue to experience a significant lack of housing supply. And as home appreciation climbs, like I said, why wouldn't these struggling homeowners just sell their homes? Many of them will sell their homes. Um, With home prices up so much, uh, they'll be able to take the equity out of their homes and they may actually have a good cushion to rent for a while. Um, you know, I think the unfortunate thing for them is that they'll be losing their home if they have to sell. Maybe they're attached to their home, they've been in it for a long time, and maybe they won't be able to buy again at higher prices. But the rental market, um, there are some good deals to be had there. So those people, at least they won't be, you know, completely uh, out of the housing market entirely. They'll probably be able to rent and they'll probably be in a good position because they can take the equity out of their home. Okay, okay. So let's discuss this next big bit of data. According to Redfin, at the peak of the foreclosure crisis in 2010, the national average loan-to-value ratio was 94%, meaning the average homeowner owed their lender nearly as much as 94% of the value of their home. As a result, many financially stressed homeowners couldn't even afford to sell their home after paying agent fees of 6% in closing costs, so they often end up in foreclosure. Uh, My question for you is, what are the main differences between the 2010 market and the 2020 market? What are the current average loan-to-value ratios? The the big thing to know about the housing crash of uh, 2008, 2009, 2010 was that it was overvaluation in the housing market that caused the recession. And most of the impacts of that recession, therefore, impacted the housing market much more strongly. So the difference now is that the housing market is not overvalued. The reason that home prices are rising is because there's less supply than there is demand, and that's pushing up prices. We're not at risk of any bubble bursting because I don't believe there is a bubble. What happened before was that home prices started to drop. People realized that their homes weren't worth as much as they were, which caused prices to drop even more, and it was a snowball effect. And people 
were in this mentality before where they thought home prices would keep going up. They never stopped rising. So they kept taking money out of their homes and they kind of used it as a piggy bank uh, because they just thought there wasn't any risk to taking money out because home prices would just go up and they'd make that money back. So we've learned a lot of lessons since then. Lending standards have gotten much stricter. People are much smarter about taking out too much equity from their home. So there's just a lot more fundamental strength in the housing market than there was back then. All right, thank you for answering that. Now let's talk about a quote in this report that I think is truly interesting. In the report, you say, American homeowners have gained $2 trillion in home equity since the beginning of the pandemic alone. And thanks to double digit price growth and strong home buyer demand, the supply of homes for sale has not fallen to historic lows. That being said, you claim an impending wave of foreclosed homes will only make a small dent in the inventory drought as first time home buyers and investors are likely and quickly to buy up any foreclosed homes, leaving the larger housing market unimpacted. Personally, I believe this highlights the struggle the average American homeowner may be facing currently. But in your own opinion, what does this say about the market at large? So there's more people who want to buy homes right now than there are homes for sale. And there are also plenty of investors out there who see the strength of the housing market and also want to get into it. So when there are when there's an increase in foreclosures, which I do think will happen, I mean, we have this big pause in a time where you can have a foreclosed home. So there will just be a delay and a big increase because there's been this um, pause on the market. There's also been a pause on people buying up foreclosed homes. So while there will be an increase in foreclosures, there'll also be an increase in people wanting to buy those. And there are two groups of people who buy foreclosed homes. There are the investors who are looking to take a distressed property, flip it, um, improve it, and sell it again. And there are some people, first-time home buyers, oftentimes, who are looking to get a really good deal on an affordable home that just needs some sweat equity put into it. So both those groups are going to be eager to buy because there really haven't been many listings of affordably priced homes during the pandemic. The people who have been listing are people who are more affluent, who feel more economically secure. The affordable home market has also kind of been on pause because of forbearance itself. People haven't, people who own affordably priced homes don't feel pressure to sell yet. And that's putting a pause on the affordable price market too. But So there's been a pause on both demand and supply, and I think they'll both resume after the pandemic ends and after forbearance ends. It's interesting you mentioned that. I know that Housing Line has been uh, studying and covering that uh, the luxury market is actually booming right now. So it's interesting that you did touch on that. All right, I want to end this conversation by discussing what you think could help Americans avoid foreclosure or what the industry could be doing to assist them. So I think we need to get the timing of when forbearance ends right. It would be a tragedy if we ended it before the pandemic ended because it would kind of defeat the purpose. The point of forbearance was to give homeowners a chance to get their jobs back, get their economic lives back when the pandemic ends. And I think that end is in sight. I mean, there's all this good news coming out about a vaccine. So we should be patient with ending forbearance, not end it too quickly. So most people are back at their jobs. They are earning. They can take the option of either refinancing or selling their home instead of taking the more drastic option of being in foreclosure. All right. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for explaining this a little more for our listeners. It was a pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.